The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. You're listening to Tom and Bach on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. This is good. I like this. Uh, what's this from? It's getting very serious right now. Uh, this is uh, about to die. Yeah. This is when all the everybody's finding out what happened all along in the movie, the Saw movies, the Saw franchise. Ooh, yeah. Uh, which you mentioned you liked them. Or you liked the first one. I absolutely love the first one. I think it's one of the best movies of all time. The ending is a huge surprise, and then they signed up for, like, eight more Saws, uh, and eventually Chris Rock got his own Saw, which I haven't seen yet. <laughs> uh, uh, I wonder if Evan Bland's a big uh, Halloween fan. Where does Halloween rank in general on your holiday list? Oh, I I put it in the top three. I think. Really? You know, it's a social holiday, so there's Halloween parties and trick or treating. Can't beat the movies. Uh, you know, I'm not a big gore guy, but like the no. spooky movies, the classics. Yeah. Like I watch Halloween every year, the the John Carpenter film. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's just kind of one of those. It's one of those rare times when people want to be scared, when they want to. Yeah feel something different so yeah I, I like it i like the creativity that goes into it uh, I, i'm pro halloween I, I like halloween i don't know if i would have it number three but i i don't like uh, the saw movies either like uh, limbs being removed one after the other <laughs> i'm not i'm not a big fan i can't watch that uh but i do like halloween in general are you taking out the ki- you have kids right i do yeah. uh yeah a four-year-old and a one-year-old um are they- yeah we're, we're we're gonna get out and and get some sugar and yeah. do all that stuff yep does that mean you have to dress up or are you one of those that i'm not doing that i'm not dressing up i'm not no way you know i don't have to but i tend to i think i'm going to be uh wario this year oh, mario's nice. nemesis oh wow so I've got the got the you know the, yeah. the purple overalls and yeah. the yellow hat yeah. and the the mustache and can all you, that. Can so, you do yeah, his laugh? You know, he's my favorite guy on Mario Kart. I try to lean into that. And, uh, uh, yeah, I think I'll probably be him. Uh, he he wants to, we want to hear the laugh. Can you do Wario's laugh? No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That, see? Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. He's the fun dad in the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, he's absolutely that guy. Uh, we were wondering about this. I uh, heard Sean Becton last night on Sports Nightly, and he talked a lot about the tight end situation. And in particular, Thomas Fedoni was one of the first names that he mentioned. Of course, he has four games that he can play and still preserve his redshirt. How much do you expect of him uh, these last four games? Well, I would say not a lot unless Nebraska is getting into some lopsided games one way or the other. And part of that is because tight end is probably their deepest position on offense as it is. Like, you know, Austin Allen and Travis Okalek are playing at such a high level, uh, probably as future you know, NFL type players that it's hard to, you know, squeeze another guy onto the field. And, you know, they have guys like Chris Hickman, Chancellor Brewington's played well for them, uh, especially on some of those goal line packages. So, 
you know, it, it's, if he gets on the field, it won't be out of necessity because, again, they're so deep there uh, both this year and into the future. They have quite a few guys that they feel good about. But, um, yeah, it, yeah it, it's a situation to me where if there's some time in the fourth quarter when you can get in some reserves, you know, you go ahead and do that. And I, I think they would like to do that. They wouldn't dress him and, and have him out there if they didn't think there was a chance. And, you know, I thought it was notable this week just talking to – Austin Allen, I mean, he, he kind of lamented the fact that the redshirt rule came about a year after he redshirted. So he redshirted in 2017 and then started playing in 2018. He's like, man, if I could have even been on the field for a game as a true freshman, it would have gone a long way uh, in his development and how he would have prepared moving forward. So I think that's certainly the goal is for them to find a way to get him on the field at some point. But I would be shocked if it wasn't uh, or if it was anything other than sort of a late game sort of appearance. How, how do you sense that he feels about Sean Becton feels about the tight end room in general for the future? I know James Carney is one that they really like and Rollins is uh, another guy that they really like the prep tight end. Uh, but overall, they're going to lose a few guys. How do they feel about the future? Yeah, they feel real good. I mean, I think, again, you look at – you can kind of go down the, the position groups on offense and, you know, quarterback, who knows, running back's been in flux. The O-line, they've shuffled guys in and out. Receiver has been thin for a long time. But tight end has been sort of the old reliable on that side of the ball. I mean, Austin Allen's been there since Frost and his staff have been around. You know, Vocalex has been uh, a strong blocking presence for them. And, you know, by the way, there's a chance both of those guys could come back next year in theory if they wanted to. They still have eligibility to return. But what it's done, what those guys at the top have done, is it's allowed development behind them. So you don't have to rush anything with James Carney or Thomas Fedoni or A.J. Rollins. Like, those guys have a year at least, probably maybe two, to develop physically, to learn the offense, um, and then you can roll them out there after that. So, you know, they, I, I think they do feel good about it. Chancellor Brewington was another guy. They said, man, this is an example of what you want in the transfer portal. Someone who comes in has some college experience. There's not a huge learning curve with uh, the schemes and the offense and the playbook and everything like that. And so, uh, you know, it, it maybe hasn't always shown up in the stats in terms of catches and receiving yards and things like that, but they've been really – pleased with uh, what that group's done as, as blockers as well. They've been pleased about the leadership they've provided in the room and off the field. And so, yeah, I think if you're looking at uh, sort of breaking down Nebraska's offense in 2022 and beyond, your strong point, it, it, as of now, with what we know, you would have to start with the tight end group. Well, what do you expect from the, the passing offense this weekend, uh, you know, coming a little bit closer to what's going on tomorrow? Um, they go against the number one pass defense in the Big Ten, fifth nationally. Purdue only allows 160 yards through the air per game. Nebraska averages 260 uh, passing. Uh, which which side do you think is going to win that battle? Well, I, you know, I think the, the, the Purdue pass defense, like you said, is pretty strong. I don't know that if you're Nebraska, that's where you want to start. The attack, I mean, I think if Nebraska is going to be moving the ball and piling up points the way that it thinks it can, it's got to start on the ground. It's got to start with, um, you know, a healthy Adrian Martinez. I think, first of all, being a threat with his legs, that bye week should do him wonders, you would think. Uh, I would imagine you'll see more option attack than we saw Nebraska put out there against Minnesota. Ramir Johnson cleared concussion protocol. He's back out there. Uh, there's a little bit of continuity now with the offensive line. They kind of know what to expect and who's going to be where. So to me, that's where it starts is can you win the trenches? Can you move the ball? And then can your pass game sort of be 
uh, a change up off that where, where the run game loosens things up and then maybe you can um, take some deep shots over the middle or, or, or do whatever it is you might want to do in the passing game. Kind of the opposite of Purdue, right? Where, I mean, they, they don't run the ball hardly at all. And so uh, I think, yeah, it's got to start in the, in the trenches for Nebraska. Um, and, again, you kind of work your way out because it's not just what Purdue does in the secondary. It's what they do with their pass rush as well. I mean, you don't want to expose Martinez back there to some of their uh, pass rushers too much if you can avoid it. Um, and I think they've, they've got enough sort of juice on the ground to do what they need to do there without overexposing themselves in the pass game. He's Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald, our guest every Friday. Uh, there was some talk last night by Sean Becton about you know staying simple, doing things that you can execute. Do you think Nebraska has been, you know, they had a bye week here and then another week to prepare again for Purdue. Do you think that was one of the things they learned when self-scouting is that maybe we're sometimes getting away from what we do well. Let's just do the simple well. Uh, maybe a little bit. I mean, I, I've, we've talked on this on this show before about uh, how I, at least I feel like over the last month or so there has been sort of an identity that the offense has found um, a little bit, and then that went away against Minnesota. I mean, they were they were a mess, and so I think to me what I took away from that was that so much of what Nebraska wants to do offensively continues to run through Adrian Martinez, and if he's not healthy. If there's not the threat of uh, your quarterback taking off, then you know you're putting a whole lot more on your O line to generate lanes for your running backs. You're putting a lot more on your receivers to get open, and there's just a lot more stress that's sort of spread out everywhere. So, to me, that's the the big thing is how healthy is Adrian Martinez? By all indications, uh, he should be as close to 100% as we've seen him in quite a while. And, you know, you look at some of his history against Purdue, he has moved the ball against those guys, albeit against some defenses that aren't as good uh, as this one under a new coordinator. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I think they just they, they have the, 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 the firepower to, uh, to move the ball a little bit more. I, I don't know if they want to simplify things too much, but I do think they've taken the opportunity to self-scout and say, uh, you know, we want to stay in this. We, we maybe don't want to get overly cute mm. in that situation. Mm. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll just see how it goes. But, um, yeah, I, I would expect that they'll be about as crisp as we've seen them in a while. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about what it looks like or what it kind of feels like if Nebraska drops this game, and uh, obviously it would it would feel pretty uncomfortable. But how about the, the the opposite of that? If they win this game, do you think the hot seat talk kind of or whatever that talk is kind of dies down for a few weeks because you're not expected to beat Ohio State and then you have the bye week? Well, yeah, I mean, it would certainly cool off for at least a week, um, and it makes things interesting for the home stretch. I mean, kind of the immediate storyline is still – can this, can this team make a bowl game? And once we get past Purdue, the story is going to be, okay, here are the three sort of Husker boogeymen that are still out there. They have, they've had very little luck against Ohio State. They haven't beaten Wisconsin or Iowa in a long time. And so if you beat Purdue and you're at four wins and your postseason depends on you breaking two of those droughts uh, in those final three opponents, um, you know, it's a tall ask. I don't think it's impossible. I mean, Wisconsin and Iowa – uh, are are beatable teams like they're they've they've earned what they've gotten, but they're certainly they've shown that they have weaknesses and that they're mortal too. So I don't think um, you know you can rule it out. But um, yeah, I mean it, a lot of it would depend on how how Nebraska looks against Ohio State. You know, do, do they get boat raced? Is it a close game, sort of like 2018? But you're right. I mean, if if Nebraska lays an egg at home against Purdue, 
you're going to hear it from the fans. I think it's already going to be sort of a weird crowd with the uh, the buy one get one tickets uh, that have been on sale for the last you know ten days or so. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's I think still in, in in the psyche of Nebraska fans, Purdue. You, you know, you hear the name Purdue. That's a team that you still think you should beat more times than not. So you fall if you fall to them at home, it gets dicey. If you win, it continues the conversation at least another week, and I think it keeps the Ohio State anticipation more on the positive side where it becomes, okay, you know, can, Nebraska, can, it, can it be good Nebraska against that team as opposed to, boy, let's, let's just hope they don't get embarrassed sort of thing. Yeah, we've had the conversations, Evan, about selling optimism in the offseason. That's going to be really tough, uh, almost impossible if it's three, uh, very hard if it's four. Oh, and that's kind of why we jokingly have said, just get to five if you're Scott Frost. Uh, but that kind of feels like what he needs to do, not to satisfy the fans base because they're not going to be happy with five, but maybe his athletic director, he could sell that to his athletic director. Maybe. I mean, it is a much different situation than we've seen at Nebraska with a new athletic director who inherited, who inherits a coach. I mean, it wasn't that way with uh, Bill Callahan. You could tell that he was on the outs. Same thing with Bo Pelini, same thing with Mike Riley. It's not really the situation right now with, uh, Trev Alberts, and he's a, a former Husker. He's obviously kept tabs on the program. This isn't a situation where somebody's coming in brand new and, and sort of getting a lay of the land and getting their feet wet and, and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I, Alberts doesn't need to be told what to see. He, he knows football at a high level. He played professionally. So, you know, the conversations that we're having, he's having himself uh, probably, you know, at a higher level as someone who was immersed in the game. So it, it does make for a really interesting situation, but you, yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. If you're going to sell progress, man, you need something tangible. And Nebraska has sold the so close narrative now for three years, four years, really, I suppose. And I mean, what is ultimately what, what does Nebraska have to hang its hat on? A lot of close losses. Its best wins still came in 2018 against uh, what a Minnesota team that finished one game over 500 that and a Michigan state team that did the same. I mean, that's sort of the, the high water mark in terms of victories. So that's as tough as this gauntlet is in the last four games. And as tough as it might be to, to move toward bowl eligibility, what it does do is provide you an opportunity that should Nebraska win any of those last three games. And you could argue even this week, it would be as big of a win uh, in terms of name and in terms of success of the opponent that Frost has had here in Lincoln. Evan, it feels like they're fairly healthy. You do have the injury to Deontay Williams, and Miles Farmer has to step in at safety. How comfortable do you think they are with Miles at safety? Yeah, real comfortable. I mean, they don't they don't bat an eye about it. I mean, Miles Farmer, I can't tell you how many times coaches have said that had the COVID year not occurred and Williams and Dismuke were gone, that Farmer would be a starter, and they would feel good about Miles Farmer being a starter. And so, yeah, technically it's just his second career start um you know notably his first one at northwestern last year was pretty good he had the two interceptions and uh was just sort of a playmaker in the back end but they feel good about what he's done he's played in i think 17 career games even though he's just had the two starts so you know we talk about the depth at tight end on off offense i think the secondary defensively continues to be awfully deep for nebraska where they feel good with farmer you know noah pola gates is going to rotate in we might see some of marquise uh, buford the freshman uh, at corner or possibly, um, you know, safety. And, and Braxton Clark has been a factor too. So uh, they feel, I think, pretty good about that. Um, we'll see what kind of 
playmaker he can be, but it, it really is accentuated, right, because of how much Purdue throws the ball. And this isn't like getting a start against Minnesota where you might see, you know, 15, 20 pass attempts. Purdue's probably going to throw it 45 or 50 times. And so it'll be really uh, interesting to see what he can do, what what uh, Cam Taylor Brick can do against David Bell, and you can kind of go across the line. But uh, you talk about keys to the game this week, I think that's definitely one of them is how does the secondary hold up to what Purdue wants to do through the air. And it's interesting. We talked this game up a little bit. Now we got to get your prediction for the game on Halloween Eve. Is Scott Frost going to be able to enjoy his holiday or the day afterwards, or is it going to be a little scary? <laughs> well, I've been burned on picking Nebraska. I feel like you know so many times. So I'm a little bit gun shy here, but I do still think Nebraska gets this thing done by you know 28-21 type range. I think the bye week. Uh, definitely absolutely favors Nebraska. Um, they needed it. And then you look at Purdue on the other side coming off of consecutive games against Iowa and Wisconsin. Um, you know, it, it should be an interesting atmosphere this weekend. It's always scary when Purdue Pete's around. You don't know what that guy's going to do with the mask. <laughs> That's guy. right. Um, but I, I do. I, I do feel like Nebraska's in a good headspace uh, physically and mentally after a week off to uh, go ahead and take care of this one and get win number four. So you're saying it's a winnable game. Uh, we've heard that before, but yeah. that goes back a few. Kind of an insight. I'm not saying that. No, no, it's, <laughs> no, it's more than winnable. I feel the same way. It feels like uh, this is a game, but we've been burned uh, before. Happy Halloween. It's it's great that you're going out and uh, having fun. Be safe. Hey, you got it. Thanks, guys. There Happy Halloween. Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Uh, let's get to break. Uh, actually, I do want to mention this before we do get to break. Uh, some good news in the world of Nebraska basketball recruiting. Boy, we never get any of that from Fred Hoiberg. Hey. Uh, more good news in the world of Nebraska basketball recruiting. They have picked up a commitment uh, from a high school kid, uh, Jamarcus, uh, let's see. Lawrence. Uh, Jamarcus Lawrence is his name. He's a 2022 kid from Rochelle Catholic uh, High School and a good friend, apparently, of C.J. Wilcher. Huh. So, uh I think they're like two over. So Yeah, I think they're expecting some of their super. Well, Trey McGowan's has said this is the last season. Yeah. Bryce McGowan's I would think would love to get into the NBA draft. We'll see what happens. But they're I think that they, they have some guys. Derek Walker is now a guy that could probably yeah. make money somewhere playing basketball. Latmayan probably the same. Uh Latmayon is probably the same. So they have guys that have to make a decision, but Jamarcus Lawrence, uh good commitment. Six three guard can really shoot it is the uh is the scouting report on Hey, that's, uh, we could use more of those yeah, guys. We, we've got shooters, and we could always use more. Let's get to break and finish out with pregame coming up next. You're listening to Tom and Bach. Watch live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.